mit der Kaff. Hey, behave. Recording this podcast on a Sunday evening, live on YouTube as well right now. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, this was actually, I did not see it coming. I don't know if, if you experienced this. I was texting with our, our buddy Hawk uh, this early, like midday, and uh, he's like, ah, oh, good day on the couch. I've got, he listed five things. I'm like, you're right. I have college baseball, golf, baseball, even checked in on some NBA. I feel like there was something else. It's a pretty good, Sunday was a pretty good TV day. Why going on? Maybe it was the Jace, the Junior College National Championship game for football. No, that was Saturday. Never mind. Snow College that. John was in that one. From California? I think it's Utah. I think that's where, uh, what's the guy, the offensive lineman? No, he can oh, Gar- different Garrett school. Bowles. Hello? Anyway, there was some JC football on this weekend for anybody that caught that. Uh, yeah, it was a you know, solid day on the couch. It was just a good, like, easy day. You know, nothing that I felt like I had to lock in on. Just hit the gym, watched a little golf, watched a little basketball. Sixers kind of laid an egg. And then just, you know, golf kind of got weird because Rom got kicked out of the tournament. Tried to watch a little women's golf, Olympic club, and then kind of went back and forth with some NBA games and uh, uh, Cubs-Giants, who I think are still on as of recording this. Yeah. I didn't realize until you told me that the the amateur, who the the high amateur who was in the last group in the Women's U.S. Open, uh, that her caddy was just a local, just like a guy that plays at Olympic club. And then as soon as you told me that, they showed him, and he's wearing just some battered old Giants hat. He's <laughs> probably a season ticket holder, had to miss a Giants game for this. Yeah, it's one of those that just gets tweeted into your timeline because I was watching Golf Channel last night and they had, you know, Brandel at the Women's U.S. Open and they were talking about the girl that he was catting for who was the, you know, kind of star amateur of the event. Yeah. You know, she had been playing. And then my the retweet of my timeline was like, Bill Williamson, local scratch country club uh, member at Olympic Club. Has they met on Monday and they've really hit it off and they've had a great experience and he was getting nothing but cheers from his local fellow members all over the course <laughs> this weekend. So did she show up without? She just showed up without a caddy. Yeah, she's an amateur. She probably didn't have a caddy, right? She's not getting paid. And when that happens, you just assume that they are gonna. You just pick up a local someone with course knowledge, that kind of deal. I would. My guess, knowing nothing about how this works, would be members at the course who are good players probably want in on the event. Right. Knowing that people need caddies cuz it'd have to be pretty cool. Yeah, and you'd want a local caddy for an event like that if you're not if you're, you know, if you don't I, have I would say it would be badass in a men's event, but it typically feels like all the men's amateur players use their college coach. For the most part, I feel yeah, like I've wh- seen that a lot. I feel like there were I feel like this happened once recently where somebody had just somebody with local knowledge. Yeah, remember uh, Matt Kuchar several years yeah, ago got the Mexican the guy one. and then stiffed him. The so. Kuchar one. He played him in pesos and was like, what? Exchange rate? It is the one sport, right? Like, if you were, you don't need that in any other sport. Like, if you're just showing up, like, local knowledge, right? You're just playing pickup hardball in L.A., but you're from New York. You just start playing baseball, right? Sure. You're like, oh, this guy played at UCLA. Watch out for this guy. He's got a mean cutter playing at the Y. You're like, okay. This guy's pretty good. You're like, oh, yeah, that's Miles Garrett. Watch out for him. He's a starting defensive end for the Browns. That guy, you know, played D2, but he could fucking got a mean jumper. Did you see Kevin Stefanski? Did I send you that? No. He's Kevin got a good Stefanski, jumper? they asked him, like, what do you think about Miles Garrett's game? They're like, oh, oh. Yeah. he's like, uh, just wanted to announce Miles has retired from basketball. 
He's officially on the retired. He had a hell of a run, but he's retired. Like Miles. <laughs> you need to stop playing basketball at 100 miles an hour. Guy, he dunked on that little white guy. It actually couldn't have been that little because Miles pretty big. And, it, you know, the guy was a couple inches shorter. But he crossed him over and then dunked. Clearly just at like a local wherever he is. If he's in Ohio or at home. And I guess he's Ohio State guy. So, the Ohio State guy? Oh, A&M. Miles Garrett? Yeah. Yeah. He's a freak show, though. Here's a question somebody just asked on the YouTube comments. Christopher, yeah, does the cat, if you're catting for an amateur, does that mean you don't get any, I guess you don't get any prize money. There's no prize money for you to get. The amateur didn't win anything. No money. <laughs> Pretty sweet gig, though. No cash. I remember when I, uh, I remember, it was a month ago, when I went out to that course, Mayakama. It's private, really nice up in Santa Rosa, Northern California, for the Pac-12 Men's Championships on one of the days. The only people out there were, it was like the coaches, and then just like members, just a few members out there walking around, right? And they were the ones like, cause I'd end up standing by them around the halls. They'd be like, oh, you got to keep it on the, you know, you got to keep it on the backside of the green. You know, like they'd be out there just, they knew the course really well. Like if you had one of those people with you, you'd have some really good local knowledge to your point though. Could you get, yeah. Could you get a football game like that where it's just fans of that team? You know, like you go play the Browns, you get a Browns fan to be your offensive coordinator. Well, 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 I think where you get it a lot is when you get national broadcasters. In football, it's a little easier, but doing basketball or baseball, and they say something like about a backup, you're like, that's not true. That's not his role. That's bullshit. This guy's this guy's terrible. Stop saying he's good just because he's on ESPN. thousand percent. That's what ha- and, it happens with, rel- with relievers, too. He's had a great year. It's like, eh. The fans well, don't think so. Well, but it is. I in football, maybe I guess the f- local fan base might have like a really good feel of like the Nickelback, but like the national guy is gonna have a good feel for all the star players, like how they're playing. I do think in baseball and basketball, there is no way the national broadcasters, unless you're like a Warriors in the peak of their powers. But even then, if you're not watching every minute. You're just not going to know the basketball or baseball team. Definitely the baseball team as well as the local fan base. It's hard to keep up. It's impossible to keep yeah. up. Now, if you're the broadcaster for another team in that division and you see them a lot, you would really know them well there. But for the most part, you just kind of call somebody from the other market, from the other team that you know, and be like, give me the down low on uh, what's going on with these guys, you know? Football really is the easiest. <laughs> It's the easiest to keep well, there's no of. local broadcast to even compare it to. You know, yeah, it's the easiest to call. It's like when I was it's watching. The, uh, 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 were, were they uh, NBC, uh, CBS? When I was watching Pop on the pregame on the preseason games, Dennis yeah. O'Donnell had that interview. Right? There's not that many. You get there's no local broadcast outside of the preseason. Think about this: if you're a baseball guy and you're like, uh, you know, it's the middle of July, and you're like, you know, I'm gonna go for two weeks, take the family. I don't even know really what this is i just seen a lot of people talking about it tulum i'm gonna go to tulum and i'm gonna go to tulum for two weeks can you imagine if they only have one day off in that 14 day stretch how much inventory you miss like the ebb and flows of just the season guys playing you come back like in football even if you took two weeks off which you never would in the football season you could just watch the two games and you wouldn't be that far behind it's impossible to watch 14 baseball games right you're fucked you come back half the team's hurt yeah somebody got demoted yeah, no, there's a lot going on there. A lot right. of inventory. A lot of inventory. It's why we, it's what I, not to repeat myself, but you and I have talked about this a lot. Football is just, it's one of the built-in advantages the sport has. Is it's pretty well established when they play, and most of the world, um, 
at least the American world blocks out their Sundays for for, and for again, God and like, football. We're clearly in the business of football, but it is the one sport where it is just inherently impossible to kind of just say, yeah, we're just going to take this game off. Like, you may get your ass kicked, but it's not because you're just, yeah, we just mailed it well, in. Well, your catcher never takes Sunday off in the NFL. <laughs> but I even just mean, like, in the NBA, in a random game, I don't even blame some of these guys. You can just mail it in on defense. Yeah. There's just not much mailing it. Now, in the second half, you're down 30 points in football game, for sure. But, like, the pregame speech with everyone, like, they are going all in on every game. Well, your contract, just, for the most part, most of your guys' contracts aren't guaranteed, right? And I, wouldn't you just say the nature of the sport, if your your head's not really in a swivel, you get KO'd. True. Like you get, you get injured, right? That too. Hey, and everybody. If and, and if you're good, the nature of a physical game, the teams, like if you're Alabama, and even if you're playing like a Fresno State or whatever, if you do lay an egg, all of a sudden, like that's the other team's Super Bowl. You're more likely to get hurt going 50% or 80% than if you're playing 100%, right? Yeah. Um. On uh, on YouTube, question is asked here from uh, Decent News: Logan Paul or Floyd? But if you're listening to this podcast, that fight's over. I think is it a five o'clock Sunday night? Is that when this fight is in like an hour or something? I yeah, I mean I, Ocho uh, Cinco's fighting. Um, Ocho Cinco's fight. Who is Ocho Cinco fighting? Uh, some dude that I don't know. I follow Ocho on Instagram, and they did the thing where they weigh in. They're looking at each other. I thought I thought Ocho might shove him. But Imagine how not. confused you would be if you don't know anything about football. You're just a boxing fan. And some guy shows up and his name is Ocho Cinco. You'd be like, "Is this a real? What do you mean? His name is Ocho Cinco?" It'd be you'd be so confused. Yeah, it's his name. <laughs> his name is Ocho Cinco. What does that even mean? I don't know. That'd be Not really only confusing. his name. He in his old profession, he was really good. Like he, he wasn't like a sideshow. Was fantastic and had that name on the back of his jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I when he did that, I thought for sure he'd be changing back officially to Chad Johnson. Maybe he has. I don't know what his PG&E bill is, uh, but I don't think he did. You think he's still driver's license is Ocho Cinco? I pretty I think so, yeah. I I do think people call him Chad, and I I think even during the time. Yeah, you but. call him Chad. But like to me, if you're going to go stage name, I give you a lot of credit for going for taking a stage name, not making your name more normal, making it weirder and then making it your real legal name. Right, and I do think it sticks. Like, if you and me were walking down the street, and he's walking right at us, we like, "What up, Ocho?" He would be like, "What's up, guys?" Yeah, right. It's not one of those where it's so egregious or so outrageous. Like he does, it doesn't even resonate with him. I think he also responds to Ocho. People say, "What's up, Ocho?" It's like a nickname, but it's real. <laughs> it's, it's like if I just I change it. my name to Hey Behaves. I've always been a big Ocho fan. All right, everybody, don't forget, get it on the mailbag. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review. In that review, leave a question, any question you want, whatever subject. Ask us our favorite wines. Okay. Uh, But whatever you want, leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate when you do that. Thank you to everyone that's done it. Thank you to everyone that's about to do it. And um, that's how you get in the mailbag, which we do at the end of the week. Yep, mailbag also. uh, YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Check that out. Wineaccess.com slash ham. You want to check out wine? We'll get into that a little bit later. Big fans. And DraftKings coming up. Not this week, but next week. The United States Open Championship. And it's uh, it's. I think we got a uh, Tyler Raber, family friend, got to qualify either tomorrow or next Monday. Might be tomorrow. Your family friend, my former teammate, John. (laughs) Tyler Raber led me to a win, a two-on-two at... uh, 
Where'd we play? Somewhere in Oakland. Do you think it'd be a pretty big accomplishment to be like, what's the best thing you've ever done in golf? I've qualified for multiple U.S. Opens. I mean, you qualify for one. It's like, oh, he's a pretty good golfer. Yeah. Yeah. He played in the U.S. Open. <laughs> that yeah. is uh, really incredible. So, big you're saying another qualifier this week. Good luck, Tyler. They, were, they played the course. Scotty was texting me. He was at the course in L.A. Rick Neuheisel was right ahead of them. Trying to like, qualify? He kept, yeah. Well, no, no. They're just, this, they're just playing practice rounds to get ready for the qualifier. Gotcha. Rick's a member at this country club, I think. And then he sat next to him at dinner, and he was like, do you have, can, how do I want to go introduce myself? I'm like, ah, oh, tell him. I tried to drop a couple names. I don't know if he ended up doing it, but hmm. he said Rick had a nice swing. I believe it. I, sh- I should have let him know to, to drop a Haberman to Rick next time. Rick will respond to that. Well, I should have told him that. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, so the point is the U.S. Open's coming up, not this week, but next week. We're going to have a big, 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 big DraftKings game for that. So, yeah. I think I think we get 200 people. Tory Pines, Brooks, oh, Bryson we Buzz. Go? We got to build it up. So get ready. Get ready. Should we? People. That is a question. Are we going to go 200 people for the U.S. Open? I, I think we can. Just the first thing, the first available time Monday, just put it out and we'll just hammer it home. I'm good. Right, yeah, I think we, we can start. do it. Floating it right now, as you just did to people to start Come on, getting their minds right. Julio Jones is getting traded. Got traded. The the report from Rap Sheet on Sunday morning is about to get traded. I think Diana Rossini had that about to get traded um, for a second round pick and a fourth round pick to the Titans. Which you know, depending on what your favorite team is, you probably don't hate. If you're a Colts fan, maybe you hate that, but. You know, they were a name that had been in the mix the whole time. I think the conclusion that you and I reached a while ago, he's not going for a first-rounder. There was a lot of evidence that he would not go for a first-rounder. Ultimately, he did not go to a first-rounder. I, I kind of like it just because I Tennessee's a really interesting team to me, so I that part of it I like. We can get to some Niners aspects of it in another discussion, but what would you think? Uh, as someone DM'd me, this is pretty uneventful it just doesn't feel very powerful and part of it for us that live on the west coast like the southern divisions right the afc and nfc south i guess tom has changed tampa's persona a little bit from the outside but it doesn't really i don't think resonate with a lot of people it's not one of those i think it's a nationwide it feels like the south yeah like when you say the cowboys the packers the steelers just landed them seattle the niners the titans and the titans NFC or AFC championship game two years ago. They went to the playoffs and won the division last year, hosted a playoff game. Like, it's not like they're, they're good. And really their offense guy has three all get off the bus ballers, right? Julio's an all timer. Derrick Henry. I, I mean, has to be when you factor in his production, the one of the biggest, best running backs of all time. I don't mean best running backs, like relative to the history of the league. I just mean, when you factor in the size of them, and how good he is, he might be the biggest, best running back. And then A.J. Brown is an absolute, like, they're three blue-chip guys. Their offense is unreal. Yeah. Just with those three guys. I mean, Derek is basically competing to run for 2,000 yards the last several years. A.J., talking to some people in the league, like, he's more well-rounded than D.K. I think D.K. is more unique. And they're synonymous with each other because they were the college If you said they're both available... My my first instinct is more teams would take AJ Brown, but could be wrong about that. That would just be my. It first probably instinct. depend on your quarterback, but yeah, I think more people would take AJ Brown than I think fans would probably think. Yeah, uh, but I, I just think the transaction was just like the Falcons or the Titans did a deal. Now it was a massive deal, but 
it's a little like, oh, like, oh, that's yeah, what I, happened. <laughs> I think clearly this was the best they could get. They also sent a sixth with him. The idea that they didn't want the Falcons didn't want to trade him to the NFC, I buy. But I think for the most part, outside of your division, a lot of that stuff is, I think, overrated. Um, if you take a lesser deal to keep a guy out of a conference, unless he's a quarterback with several years left, even that I think would be it would depend on the guy case by case. For the most part, I think it's overrated keeping a guy out of a conference. If you want to keep a guy out of a division, i.e. you're the Niners, you're not going to trade somebody to the Seahawks, fine. In baseball, I can understand it divisionally. Again, same deal. You're going to play 18 times. But outside of that, I think it gets overrated. I like To me, if the Falcons could have got the best deal from the 49ers, that's the deal they should have taken. I, I, like Imagine the Niners and the Cowboys could do a trade. They don't do it. I, or they do do it. Let's say the Cowboys sent one of their best players to the 49ers, Amari Cooper, let's just say. You know, I mean, how often are they playing? Are they keeping? Are they going to meet in the NFC Championship game? Okay, you can worry about it then. Like, I, I think a lot of that stuff's overblown. This was the best deal they could get. It makes sense, right? This deal makes sense. I, I do think it shows you that <clears throat> in football, the value of draft picks for a lot of these teams is really high. And teams, the second round pick is really valued for NFL teams because he did not go. He went for the fourth round pick is in two years. I think most GMs could easily justify like a third rounder in two years. Who cares if it was like two, two threes, like a three this upcoming year and then a three the next year. People would have done that. No problem. But the second round pick for the Niners, for example, like that means a lot to him. For the Packers, I someone someone tweeted at me like they're really against the cap. Why do people keep talking about them? We've seen the cap doesn't mean a fucking thing. You know, if you want, you can get rid of two guys, clear up the space. You can include a player, and you can do whatever you want. The cap is a moving target. You know, it's one thing people often say on social media, like you're just moving the goalposts. Whenever you change your arguments, that's a that's a go to argument for someone that's arguing with you. Like stop moving the goalposts. That's the way a cap works for teams. It's like, oh, we're giving up the cap. Can't do anything. Oh, we really want that. Oh, let's move this here, move this here, and we're good. You can do whatever you want to do. And I listen, basically a lot of teams are came to the conclusion that it wasn't worth the risk. The age, the money. I it's the money I think is a small, small part of it. Because like you've been saying the whole time, it wasn't that much money. A huge reason I think GMs were probably are just shorting Julio Jones. And when I say shorting, I don't mean they think he's going to suck, but just his best football's behind him. The football we'd get from him in these next two years would be questionable. I think where the uh, the Titans could justify it pretty easily, we don't need to depend on him. We have a running back that's six foot eight, 250 pounds, and runs a 4-3. We have A.J. Brown, who's easily a top five wide receiver, like under 28 years old in the league, right? He's one of the better just top young, maybe even 25 years old, like one of just the better younger wide receivers. And we just have an athletic quarterback who's just solid, right? So we get we get Julio in a weird way to say this, like he can be a very, very productive role player. Like with the Falcons, they, they depended on him. He was their guy. When I think the Titans, their guy is their running back. Like he's the best player. Do you know who the, do you know who the offensive coordinator is for the Titans? It's a name you'll go, whoa. In a good way or a bad way? 
Uh, I mean, it. he got his stint. You and I were close to it, and it did not go well. He was one and done after a quarterback. Todd Downing? Pounded the table for him to be the offensive coordinator. Is it Todd it's Downing? Todd, it's Todd Downing. And from his perspective, not easy. You're following a coach who the last two years has been an unreal offensive coach, right? Who just became a head coach, and justifiably so. So you're filling the shoes of, I'd imagine if you just you and me knew a bunch of Titans fans, they'd be like, God, I loved Arthur Smith. I don't blame you. I would too. So you're filling in for that. And then it's like, oh, how about our new offensive coordinator? Well, it didn't go that well when he took over in Oakland. And now you add Julio Jones. So now the the bar for the Titans just naturally, fair or not, goes up, right? Not an easy spot for Todd. I do think ideally as an offensive coordinator, you want to just slide in. You know, just the expectations aren't crazy, but they're not they're not high, they're not low. You just you get to just do you. Todd's come in in two spots where the expectations are pretty high. Where the where your your uh the stock is already on its way up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and your job is to keep it up. I think one of the things that makes sense for them is like to your point on Julio being semi role player, how many more great years do you have in your running back? Right? Like Derrick Henry might have two more prime years left, maybe. He's been in the league now. He's coming into year six. He didn't really get good till year four. No, but, and he was great. <laughs> great. And then he was even better the next year. But he's got three, uh, 681 carries the last two years. That's the Did other he part run for How many yards did he run for the last two years? Well, 2027 last year and 1540 the year before. John, he ran the last two years, Derrick Henry, for he, he had 681 rush attempts. 681. I'm pretty sure that's more than his it well, it's way more than his last three years, his first three years combined. But like miles more. How so, many touchdowns the last two years? Uh sixteen in twenty nineteen, <laughs> rushing and two receiving. So eighteen and nineteen and seventeen all rushing uh in twenty. Guy, that, I mean, how much more can that guy produce? Well, I think if you're them, you got to look at it like our window to win the Super Bowl is we got two years here to win a championship. With and that. maybe part, and maybe part of it is like we can't expect this guy to maintain this. Like I, I don't think we can look for another eighteen hundred and seventeen. Well, that's what, yeah, be, that's what I mean. Would, would we be cool with twelve fifty and like eleven? AJ and Julio. Part of it though is like someone else has to take over, and. Part of it also is like Tannehill is just somewhat limited. I know people, Titans fans on social media, it's like, this guy, you're not giving him respect. He's a top eight guy. Yeah, he's fine. He's like, he's a more physically gifted Alex Smith, but I don't trust him as much as Alex in a weird way that I didn't even trust that much in big games. But he's in that kind of realm, which is fine. You just got to cook the books for him, and they kind of have. They've just stacked the deck. Like, Tannehill, it doesn't get any better. You have a 2,000-yard rusher. You have a young wide receiver who's built like a, a fucking dominant force. He's like 6'4", 225, and he can run. And then you get Julio. Uh, they play the NFC West this year, too. Remember, that's It'll a, be interesting Niners, to see. That's a weird game. Short to week. me, the question is, like, if Julio doesn't play 17 games, what games does he miss against who? Right. right? Like, like well, particularly if in your division, if, like, the Cardinals miss him somehow. Or, yeah, to me, it's like all three guys. Well, that's right? week one, so they probably won't. He won't. Whatever lose. NFC West team has to face all three guys, that game's tough. Well, the most likely to miss them probably is the Niners, 
uh, or the Rams because he plays the Cardinals and the Seahawks week one and week two back to back. And in fairness, it's not just Julio. Like the other guys, like the, the way they play, they could get hurt too, right? Tell you, uh, yeah. Rams, Rams, Titans week nine on NBC just got even sweeter. That's a good game. And the Niners, Titans game is NFL Network. Um, got their Seahawks game. Like they've got their schedule. They've got some great games on their schedule. The Titans schedule is fantastic. Bills. Right now, if you had to pick Monday one, Night Colts, Colts, Titans, who you like to win the division? <sighs> I mean, I do think Carson's going to be better. I think Tennessee's ceiling, like, well, let's see on Carson. I feel like Tennessee's high end, just kind of buttoned up, high end. Uh, Tennessee. You? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think the Colts. I think their are playmakers well, are better. Yeah, the Colts are a well-rounded team. Like Titans' defense has not been good. And remember, this year they drafted the dude who I think DJ told me over the phone, but I think he said this publicly. It's definitely out there. That like I mean the guy's a back injury away from his career being over. You know, the Vatek corner who had oh, yeah, who yeah, was yeah. gonna go top ten. And like they've done that now a couple years in a row. They took the Simmons kid a couple years ago from Mississippi State, who's sweet. Right, but their defense is just it's been kind of meh for having a defensive head coach. They've been an offensive team. If Rabel, if they can just play defense at an adequate level, I like them. But I just think the Colts, man, they're just they're not as flashy. But they just, I don't have as many questions. Like the Titans do play, you look up sometimes, they just get in shootouts, like 38 to 35, which is weird. Like the Colts tend to play in more like knockdown, drag it out, 24-21. Now maybe it was a function of their quarterback. They did end up in some weird games last year too, Indianapolis. Yeah. And Carson can be weird. Like they can end up in some weird games with Carson. I think I would go, I would rather have Wentz than Tannehill and the Titans fan will freak. I'd probably rather have Vrabel than Frank. That's close. Overall roster is probably a coin flip. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty close. Like, that's that's a powerhouse, those two teams, like, two lock playoff teams. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, although there's always one or two teams that you think are a lock that aren't, but they both feel about as solid as it gets to me in the AFC, outside of Kansas City and Buffalo. I mean, there aren't that many. It doesn't feel like there's that many AFC playoff spots open, really. No, with Steelers, to me, would be the one team if Ben ever just fell off a cliff would be in some trouble. Yeah. But they but, would still hover because they're talented enough, but they could be like one of those teams like 8-9. Was he going to be bad for 17 weeks or like bad for six, right, like last year? Yeah, one one of those like as November turns, like, oh, Ben shot here. We're done. Right. He'll look, he'll look good in September. They'll start 3-1. and one. Yeah. Steelers have starting 5-1 and one written all over them, right? What's, what did they do last year? Eight, were they 9-0, and 8-0 oh, oh last year? Yeah, it felt like they were Whatever yeah, headed toward an uh, undefeated season. All right, John, let's tell everybody about WineAccess.com slash ham. WineAccess.com slash ham. Whether you're watching on the YouTube live or later or listening on the podcast, which we appreciate, you go to WineAccess.com slash ham. And uh, you do what we've done several times. Your first order, you get 20% off. It's easy to find some of the best wines in the world because they're all some of the best wines in the world. They have something in everybody's price range wineaccess.com slash ham key guy is do things for other people when you do things for other people you feel good about yourself because it's the right thing to do think how many people in your life you haven't done something for recently a mom a dad a brother a sister a long-lost friend a college roommate your your brother-in-law you name it you can list five people on top of your head send them some bottles of wine who doesn't like wine they will 
imagine just getting a knock on your door. What's there? And then it's a box, you know, two bottles, four bottles, whatever. You can do whatever you want. Set it up with wineaccess.com slash ham. You can get 15 bottles of wine that are actually extremely nice because they only have the highest quality. You get 50, 100 bottles, dollar bottle. You can pick anything you want. You just go to wineaccess.com slash ham. Search the inventory. You can run queries to get Pinots or Cabs or Chardonnay. Anything you want. Send them to someone on us. Thank us later. Yeah, I don't know a ton about wine. I hardly know anything about wine, but it's very easy. I'll just go like, all right, I'm sending something to somebody in another part of the country. I want, let me send them something from Napa. So it feels like it's kind of a local send. If it's somebody local, I might send them something from Italy, right? Whatever you want to do. Um, over 20,000 bottles of wine get tasted by the Wine Access team a year. Only one of 18 make it onto the site. They have to be unanimously approved by the whole Wine Access team. Wineaccess.com slash ham. 20% off, which means like, Plus some free shipping uh, once you exceed, I think it's six bottles. Don't quote me on that part. It's on the website. But you can easily send like six bottles of wine for 100 bucks. I've done it multiple times and Same. blow somebody's mind. Six bottles of wine show up at their door. Well worth it. Well worth it. Do it. Wineaccess.com slash ham. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game, and I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef. Free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, 
Only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. They uh, they did not pay the price for Julio Jones a second and a fourth. I'm okay with it. As you and I have discussed, we would have loved to go out to Niners OTAs on Tuesday and seen Julio Jones out there running around. Um, we'll get to what they're counting on. But as you woke up on Sunday, or maybe you're already up, you saw the news that he's going to the Titans. Did you think the Niners missed an opportunity to be aggressive? Uh, to be honest, I never really envisioned it happening. I, I wanted it to happen. I rooted for it to happen. But I, I remember talking with someone with the Niners last year when there was talk about Julio getting traded in season. Remember, it was really ugly. Yeah. And their coach was fired pretty early on. Could they blow it up? And they just thought that, you know, it, it, you just can't on an older player, and they have done this before. You and I talked about it last week. Like, they feel pretty good about Trent Williams. But you can't keep doubling down on three or four Trent Williams. And that's kind of what Julio is. Again, you're talking to someone that would not have complained. But I understand the justification for the other teams. Right, And then when you find out, to me it would have been a big kick in the dick if he had ended up in Seattle or with the Rams. And I think Kyle mentioned that today at the Sonoma Raceway. <laughs> and to me, once he's going to go to the AFC, whatever. Right, And part of their pushback is we don't have first-round picks for the next two years. And I think we've seen teams, other. I think the Texans are a good example. Worst-case scenario, things can go really bad when you get yourself in that predicament. You know, and I don't think the hard part with the Niners is they they easily could be a Julio Jones away. But coming off the season they had last year, I don't think you can stand up with a straight face and say that. I think you go, they should be a wild card team. They should be good. But to just be a player away when you just mortgage the future for a rookie quarterback, which means really you're thinking more big picture. I, I think it's easy to justify not pulling the trigger. And again, I'm someone, if they had done it, I would have applauded their their aggressive nature. I'm, I'm, I got to the Steve Young part of the book where they traded for to Tampa Bay and Eddie is doing the deal with the owner. And the owner goes, I want players. Because as Steve Young said, the moment you walk in the locker room, you're like, all pro, all pro, all pro, all pro at every position because free agency didn't exist. And Eddie came back with his push in the negotiation was like, how about I just give you money? Which it turned out the Bucks owner like just wanted money, right? And he loved money. They had just signed Testaverde. So, but it was like, if you could they just do drafted that, test of, well, yeah, and sign them. If you could do that, if you could do that, like I'd be like, yeah, Jed, give them twenty million dollars, right. right? Then one hundred percent. But that's not the way it works now. Yeah, yeah. How well, they sweet tried, is that? Remember, they tried to send Steve <laughs> Young to the St. Louis Cardinals, and they were as bad in this organization. Steve's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. Right. That was part of that trade. Right. Also part of the trade. Yeah. You know, 
the Niners now, we've had two players that Kyle Shanahan is closely associated with. Well, we've had three players that Kyle Shanahan's been closely associated with, um, two of whom he's talked about, been on the record with Kirk Cousins, on the record after the fact saying, yes, we were going to go get Kirk. Uh, that's why we didn't really look at the Mahomes, Watson, Trubisky draft class. Uh, and then and then I guess Trent Williams, I would say, was closely associated with him, ended up on the Niners. Julio, he had coached and been on the record saying, when a player like Julio Jones is available, you go get him. But things have changed since then, right? The Niners draft inventory has changed since then. and Or he's coaching a team that doesn't have first-rounders. Maybe that's the better way to put it. And Julio's gotten older. I do think he would have liked to have Julio Jones on his team. But it's all a sliding scale. At what cost? And how much does he really help me? And I do think he would have helped them. But I think ultimately the cost, the co- a second and a fourth, would have been good with. But it, the story would have been the Niners just got really aggressive to go all in on Julio. Like that's if we alternate world, Julio's on the Niners. What's the headline? That's the headline. The Niners are all in right now with Julio Jones. I think the best case scenario to run any business to run any team to run any hell a household with kids in a in a marriage there has to be some checks and balances and every once in a while i think bill o'brien served as an example the last couple of years there stopped being checks and balances in texans and it got outrageous and the reason checks and balances helps with coaches they don't look at personnel stuff often like a personnel guy does because they're just living in the moment of week one and there's no doubt Julio and just even 2021 Julio helps. There is a bigger picture thought. And this is where I think like where Belichick truly does get it right. It's what made him so unique is like he gets it. And I, I think the best coaches just can listen to other people in their organization that are just naturally going to be more cautious on that side. Cause ultimately like, John Lynch or John Schneider or Brett Feach, like no one is against trading picks for sweet players because you immediately get credit that day, right? Damn, you just traded for Jamal Adams or damn, you just traded for Jalen Ramsey or damn, you just traded for Stefan Diggs. It's an immediate, the fan base is excited. It is 100% a win. Where it changes is the Texan service example when it, Laramie Tunzel, like they needed a tackle, they got Laramie Tunzel, then they started losing because like you said, in baseball, trading for these guys, you know, the, the draft isn't as important just in general. The division matters a little bit more. Like in football, the difference of being the 17th drafting team and all of a sudden being the third drafting team and not having that pick, also not having a second round pick when you're drafting 36 different from pick 50 is dramatic. It's huge, right? It's It borderline crippled the Texans franchise. They had more issues. I mean, they're quarterbacks and shambles. But I just mean last season and then going to the draft, they didn't have any draft picks. So you just, you never want to be a negative Nancy. And I think just in general, right? Just the when, whenever you're looking at, you know, buying a home or whatever, where the market is, you, you can't let too many thoughts come into your head. Like you can't go, oh, is the market going to get cold? Is it going to get hot? Like you do have to think of everything from both angles. I do think though, it's always healthy to just, Lay out the worst case scenario. What happens if we buy this house and I lose my job and I don't have any money? Right. What happens if we trade for Julio? Then all of a sudden we win six games this year and it's just we're in no man's land. Like, can we flip them again? Or like, what if we can't trade Jimmy? Like, what if we're just kind of stuck with no picks? 
And then we have Trey Lance on a team that we turns out, you know, it's a little older than we thought. We got some guys under contract. We got to turn over a lot of stuff. You know, if he hadn't been hurt last year, one thing I was talking to our buddy Chris Biederman the other day, and he said that he had heard that Julio doesn't practice a ton, which is fine if he's just healthy, right? Is he not practicing to maintain health or is he not practicing because there's always just a little bit of something going on? I don't know. It could be both, right? We've seen teams where just vets, they don't need it. They don't practice. No biggie. But his point was, even if it's that on a team, if Trey Lance all of a sudden becomes your quarterback week six, like that's not ideal if he hasn't really practiced with Julio. So just all these, to your point, there's just all these little things, even in a perfect situation, a seemingly perfect situation, things can go wrong. There are enough things here that feel imperfect that would have made it feel like it was riskier than a normal trade is. And they're all risk. Any any investment of draft capital or anything you do is risky, right? Any transaction you make of this level when you're trading picks for a player is risky. But there were enough things here that you probably had to consider, okay, these aren't weird hypotheticals we're talking about here, right? What happens if Julio is out for nine games? It just... He just missed half a season. So it's not that crazy of a hypothetical. See, that's, I mean, the personnel guy in me, maybe Biederman's talking to the coaching side, because that's something that doesn't bother me at all, practicing. Well, well, but, but again, I would say, don't you agree there's a difference between is he not practicing because he just he's a vet he doesn't need to? That I'm with you. That wouldn't bother well, me. Well, that, that, that was a knock on DeAndre Hopkins, why Bill O'Brien, like, he didn't practice anymore. But is he not like, oh practicing because of that, John, or is he not practicing because he just needs every week, he's just kind of nicked up? That's the... That, to me, there's a difference between those. One two. part of it is like, okay, let's say let's say it is Julio Jones wear and tear. He just needs like Andy Reid gives vets Wednesdays off the majority of the season. Julio probably goes, well, me and Matt Ryan have thrown a million passes sure. to each other. We don't need the reps. DeAndre might just be like, I hate Bill O'Brien's practices, <laughs> and I don't but need I, the reps. Again, certain players, I, I just that's a hard balance, and that's just something I understand from the Niners' perspective. Like, we don't even want to deal with it. We're not in a position right now to you know, to give guys practice time off with a young quarterback. Like, that is a variable that they, that's very fair. They have to take into account. Hell, even Jimmy, like, we need to throw to guys. That's something that, listen, like, that that stuff to, be, I, I know this, like, in fairness to Belichick, that really matters. I, I listen to a really good podcast that Chris Long's podcast he had with Julian Edelman and Julian just laughed because Chris is like my first year there, I guess his only year, they made you scrimmage on the bye week of the playoffs. He's like, Julian's like, yeah, we call it the blue and white game. It's a full on game. He's like, it's he's like a couple years before you got here, body. He's like, guys were going down. He's like, this is outrageous. We were playing full on tackle football. But like, there is a standard, you know? And I think Julian ultimately his point was like, that's just kind of fucking what we do. And you know what? It works. It sucks. And you're on the sideline like, this is insane. And Chris was like, half the field's frozen. We're practicing in Gillette State. This is nuts. Can't but argue with the you know results. what Bill would say? It works. So you just go, this is his deal. I would imagine Tennessee won't make Julio practice if he doesn't want to practice. Which is, right? which is I, I think, is reasonable. And they do have a player coach, right? Yep. Although, albeit a Bill player coach, but yeah. <laughs> he feels like kind of a, a ideal balance of like tough guy, but cool guy. He does. He does feel like his game personality is rough. His practice personality might be more sympathetic. Yeah. 
I would imagine there aren't many Titan fans who aren't proud of their coach. No, well, there's like, no I like doubt. This guy. Yeah, <laughs> you win and you're a football guy. Like I think that's the best. To me, that's the idea. Like fans, what you would rather have a Harbaugh, a Vrabel, than like a guy who's perceived. Now, ultimately, you just want to win, so it doesn't. You would love whoever, but like you're intellectual, not as much fun because you're not, you know, backslapping Jim Schwartz and screaming at John Harbaugh, right? Yeah, you don't mind. Damn, my coach just got into a fight with another coach in pregame warmups. Like exactly. that's badass. You know, that's what, what you want. I mean, it's, it's football. All right, let's talk about the other aspect of this from the Niners' perspective. So the Niners are all in. Like we, we I'm looking at the YouTube chat as we're doing um, the the live show, and there are several comments. And you and I, we've been talking about this for a while because it's come up a lot. Who's the Niners' best? Who's the Niners' third receiver? Al says the best third receiver is by committee. KGS 99, the Niners' third receiver is Jennings, Hurd, or James. I mean, this is a big topic. And the, the one thing that you can't argue, yes, trading for Julio would have cost you, but it would have answered what has become one of the biggest questions outside of quarterback with the Niners, the depth at wide receiver. What do you make of it now? Well, your third wide receiver would have kind of been like Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel because who you got one. <laughs> well, yeah, and you got Kittle. Right. Yeah. So I mean, really, those guys are your third and fourth options. Debo and and Ayuk, you're in pretty good shape. Like you would have been in great shape. At the end of the day, the Shanahan family dreams, and I mean dreams, of running the football. It is their core ethos: running the football. It's what they do. It's what their offensive scheme is predicated off of. The success in the passing game is really a product of the run game, right? Because so many things are play action. So many of their most explosive plays are scheme plays off the play action run. What did they do this offseason? They doubled, I mean, $55 million down on Trent Williams. And hell, they almost lost him. They went and signed Alex Mack. They drafted, ultimately, to play quarterback, but he's a running quarterback. And in the second round, they took... Aaron Banks, I keep calling him Josh Banks, but it's Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks, an enormous human being that played guard at Notre Dame. Their third-round pick, a big running back from Oklahoma and Ohio State. And then they even went again in the sixth round, Elijah Moore in the or Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round, another running back. Right. Two running backs, an enormous offensive lineman. They signed their star left tackle. They signed another center. Like, let's face it, even Jimmy Garoppolo starts all 17 games Jimmy Garoppolo's best football happened when the Niners were running the shit out of the football. Now, ultimately, you got to pass to win big games. Like, you have to be good on third and long. Like, I'm not acting like passing does not matter. It's a passing league. But what Kyle wants to do, like, they've kind of doubled down this offseason, right? To me, oh, and they re-signed Juszczyk, who's a major part of their run game. Like, that's... Their aggression financially, draft capital-wise... It's pretty clear, like, they want to get back to really, really running the football. And last year, they were just so top-heavy. Coleman, you couldn't be counted on because he got hurt all the time. McKinnon was a shell of himself. Mozart, who's hurt again, just gets hurt a lot. So, I, I just, ideally, you're just going to ride it out with Mozart, like, because his good is so good. But you need backups of just size. And they drafted two. I mean, Trey Sermon's a massive running back. Mm. right? He they stood just, out when I, we looked at him I, the other day at OTAs when we were there. I don't know if they have like goals written up in the offensive room, but I bet if you were having beers with Kyle Shanahan, he'd be like, if we're not a top five rushing offense, we got like, I haven't done my job, right? I don't think he wants to be a top five running offense. I don't think Kyle's been able to run the ball as much as he wants to. Is it just in his career? When I go back and look, 
I'll give you a couple numbers. Mike Shanahan was a head coach or an offensive coordinator in the NFL for 27 years. Okay? Jesus. <laughs> One of the two. In those 27 years, his offense was top 15 in rushing attempts 20 of the 27 years. In attempts. Top 15 in attempts. Kyle's been top 15 in attempts seven of his 13 years as an offensive coordinator head coach. So Washington, some of the Mike and Kyle years cross over. Houston, Atlanta, San Francisco. Um, of his top seven rushing years, three of them were in San Francisco attempts. But I, I think... I don't think he's actually, in terms of attempts, run it as much as he would like to. When you look at his most attempts, I mean, you could probably guess what number one would be. It'd be the year they were fantastic, right? 2019, they were second in the league in attempts and second in yards. His second most attempts was 20. I left out Houston, uh, excuse me, Cleveland. Washington, Cleveland, they were top 10 in attempts in two of his years there. In 18 at San Francisco, they were 11th in attempts, 14th in attempts last year. But I don't think Kyle's run the ball as much as he wants. We have not seen the consistency of volume of running the football. You're right. 2019, that's what Kyle would like. Kyle would love 2019 running with a more dynamic quarterback, right? That's what we're working towards from his perspective. Two of my favorite football guys in my football life have been one I was lucky enough and same with you to be around pretty closely in Pat Hill. Yeah. And then two kind of from afar. I mean, granted, we got to go to practice and games or whatever, but didn't really know the guy in Harbaugh and Kyle. The one thing that those that Harbaugh and Pat Hill share, and I saw an embrace with Andy Reid, the Harbaugh brothers, and Pat Hill at the Combine, I think in like 2011, it was like a huge group hug. The irony is Andy, like the Harbaugh brothers and Pat are much more old school defense. Andy's running like fucking spread bombs away, but they're just football guys get along. Pat Hill and, and definitely Harbaugh, they loved power. I mean, they ran the power play. It was you pull a guard, you run a fullback, you're basically leading with a guard and a fullback up the hole. I mean, it's both those human beings' favorite play. Kyle's run offense is a little bit different than their running offense, but I think like those guys, and he doesn't look, he's wearing Milan hats, and it's just like he looks like he should be in Cabo hanging out ya- in the offseason. He's wearing Yoggers. Which is probably where he's headed. He has a lot in common with old school guys. Right. Like the way he wants to play. And this is where I give Kyle a lot of credit is he always puts resources in on defense. His favorite player on the team, I think, is the middle linebacker. Right. And I think he's a big Bosa guy. Uh, Like he values he's kind of an old school football guy for a younger school football guy. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's 100 percent. I think Mike Mike, you know, Mike is does not. But Mike is an old school football. But Mike's old. Right. right, but Mike feels in many ways like a defensive guy. Like I think that's part of where it comes from with Kyle, is that it's about it's all built on physicality, which is normally yeah. historically applies to both sides of the football. But in the last fifteen years, physicality you can play offense in 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 the sport and minimize physicality, right? Relative to the way some other teams run offense, the idea of power offense, right, has basically disappeared from the college game. There are elements yeah. of it, but no one just runs power football anymore. And it happened fast. Right. And then But and if you, you do but if you do, and same with defense, it's like you you know any like really good looking guys 
all their store. You know what travels well? Being good looking. It's like, oh yeah, I met my girlfriend in a in an airport. Oh yeah, I met my girlfriend on a vacation. Oh yeah, I met my girlfriend on a work trip. Everywhere they're going, like they travel because they're really good looking. Right. Often, they just meet girls everywhere. Run, One of them happened to become their girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's like I uh, met her at a bar. You know, met her uh, in the coach. Like, it just yeah, you just meet people because fucking people. You're good looking. Well, run game and defense, it just travels. Like, it works. It's worked in every generation, in every era, still to this day. It's, and you it's add a to it true formula. His GM is not just a former player, right? I, I John Lynch does not have that effect on the team so much as John Lynch is a match with Kyle because of what he's about football-wise, right? He was, what's his calling card? He's a defensive, an enforcer type, physical, tough guy. Right, Cosmic I think concussions. Yeah, that's well. He did when we had him on the podcast. He debated whether or not he would have gotten fined for some of the hits we were showing him. We found some of his YouTube highlights. He would have been fined all the he time. Cl- he got kind of a. Fe- do you remember that Lynch got kind of a? It was like I, John. I think that would be a penalty on you. He's like, no, no, I, that wouldn't be a penalty. I mean, guy, he made the Hall of Fame by knocking people out, which I love. I mean, I I miss that type of football. But when you showed the clip of just the highlight tape, he would have been in trouble. You would have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but we couldn't have played like it's that. why he. It's part of why he's a match with Kyle in terms of just football philosophy. In a weird way, like I think we kind of have established, like Kyle likes his wide receivers to block, right? He likes his running backs to run downhill. Like he likes big defensive players. He likes like, Debo. He, he likes, likes yards after he the likes, catch. Kittle. Yeah, Kinlaw. Honestly, John feels like more progressive, like open-minded with skill guys and like speed. It's weird. Like he's the Hall of Fame safety knocking people out. And you got this young offensive coordinator and they kind of feel opposites, but they, however they work, they do mesh pretty well. I wonder if that, if I wonder if any of that came from being a broadcaster, John Lynch, where it's like, you just want to see a good game. You just want to see a fun game, you know? Yeah. Maybe that helps. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you don't roll because up to the for, stadium hoping to call a nine to six slugfest. Because I, I like I've always understood, and I've talked to friends about this. Like with Jonathan Abram pick with Gruden and Mayock, I mean both those guys cut their teeth on football in the eighties and nineties. And what you're established when you're young, we talked about this with Andy, right? The reason Andy likes passing game goes back to when he was playing for Lavelle Edwards with Steve Young and Jim McMahon at BYU. He didn't just establish this philosophy in like 1996. You get hit on it in, as a football guy either when you're playing or when you first start coaching, right? That that guy has a huge impact on in flying coach. Sean McVay was like, yeah, the, when you, the Gruden's and the Shane, like when I'm young and these people are teaching me football, it just changes my philosophy. And I just think Kyle, I, I don't know, you just back to the Abram thing, like I get why they loved Abrams. Like I bet Gruden and Mayock were just like, I bet a lot of people in the league were like, I'd want this guy on my squad. Look at this, like the Spielmans. I bet John Schneider, all guys all over He's going to be a cornerstone. He's going to establish what we're about. He's going to set this the tone. This guy's going to hit people yeah. in the teeth. And there were probably some just progressive people that were like, you know, the league's trending the other way. And I think, and I don't blame any old school. No, it'll never trend away from toughness. And it, But it's a, it is true, but it's a hard balance to kind of walk. It's m- my philosophy always is, and this is where I credit any team that doubles down always on offensive and defensive line. It's really the only true area now where you're allowed to just it can look like Mean Joe Green in the '70s still. And the, well, the right. 49ers do that. Well, I know. Yeah, no, no, Most I know teams, you know. I'm just you're right. I think the hitting the hitting just player is getting phased out a little bit. Well, even if your you quarterback know? wants to throw and wants to get rid of the ball quickly, you still have to be able to protect him, right? So the game is still won and lost on the line of scrimmage. 
You win in the trenches. Guy. You win in the trenches. That's why I, I, I have always advocated when you can draft a lineman early in the draft, you take a lineman early in the draft. Best what do you like BLA. about my good-looking guy analogy? Just It travels. Wherever he goes, he's good-looking. Because we know with girls, obviously, wherever they go, if you're good-looking, you get... But I just mean a, a good-looking guy. They do, like... I've known a couple that are, like, the good-looking guy in a friend group, and it's like... They ha- they end up with girlfriends and slash just partners. Kingsbury's a good example. The king- they meet them all over. To Everywhere the- they go. Like, had to go to Oklahoma on a work trip. It's like, now they have a girlfriend in Oklahoma. I was about it's to like- mention the Kingsbury interview for people that didn't hear it on Flying Coach. I think it's a great point. It's Yeah, just- yeah I mean, it's just... You know, it's it's the same as um, it's like be like a rich guy could have friends wherever he goes because people always want to meet him, right? Yeah, How'd like you, if you, how, if you're a famous rich guy, how do like you Jeff get invited Bezos. to all these golf courses? Yeah, yeah. How do pretty girls drink for free? Cut the line. Yeah, cut the line exactly. So, uh, John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about NetSuite. NetSuite dot com slash ham. If you're still running your business on QuickBooks, QuickBooks. You're running in quicksand. The bigger your company grows, the faster you sync with outdated software that can't keep up. You don't have time to spend dealing with manual processes, multiple systems, delays, scrambling to get the numbers you need. It's time to get on solid ground, and you do it with netsuite.com. Listen, I'm not just saying this because it's a read and they're a partner. I was talking to someone last week that runs books for several companies and QuickBooks went down, and they said, we're screwed. Like, we're just, we, we can't do anything. And, I, and the first thing I said is, stop operating in quicksand. Upgrade. Get with NetSuite. Good. So that, I, I copied and pasted our read, and I sent it. I'm like, you guys, you guys are on the wrong product here. This isn't 2017. We're in 2021. NetSuite is killing it. NetSuite helps you automate your key business processes and close your books in a fraction of the time. I think days, not weeks. In fact, 93% of surveyed organizations increase visibility and control over their businesses since making the switch from QuickBooks, again, that's basically quicksand, to NetSuite. NetSuite by Oracle, offering a one-of-the-kind financing program only for those ready to graduate from QuickBooks. Head to NetSuite, S-U-I-T-E, NetSuite.com slash ham. That's special financing for you graduates at NetSuite.com slash ham, NetSuite.com slash ham. Trey Lance in Vegas. A lot of the comments on YouTube want us to address the Trey Lances in Vegas with Kittle, among others. Looked like a, yeah, looked I mean, like a field trip from the video I saw. It looked like a large percentage of the players went. Uh, maybe Kittle took him on a bonding trip. On that Zenny, I, on the Zenny plane? I have been saying this about OTAs. A huge part about OTAs is, and now practices are easier than they ever have been. You, you get... You and I know how excited people get, and anyone listening, when you work in sales, and hell, just yourself, people get very, very excited for three days weekends, right? They, they really do. And I'm not anti-three-day weekend. I just, I enjoy what we do, you know? So it's not yeah. like, hell, we're working on Sunday. It doesn't even feel like work. But I get it. But OTAs is basically a whole off-season of three- and four-day weekends, but you're getting a six-figure bonus for a lot of these players. So it's, like, incredible. And if you're in the right city... Like for Kittle, they're what, a 45-minute flight away from Vegas that they could easily, I mean, who knows? Maybe the Jed gives them the jet and says, hey, take the rookies, right? I mean, you get sweet perks of working for billionaire owners who want you to be close with your teammates. Like, hey, hey, Jed, can we get this? Yeah, we'll see what we can arrange, right? I mean, in parking. And they're out there having a good time. So, I, I mean, I think this happens all around. Like, what are they going to do? They're not going to stay in Santa Clara. 
right? That's lockdown central still. There's nothing for him to do there. It's an easy one. Well, yeah, even if it's not lockdown, I'm not sure what you do for more than three days. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not like camp's well, they, over. But they live there. They live there for six months. But I guess they're working. Right. And it's what I always say to people who live in Santa Clara. It's like, tell me what you do. I don't know either. Yeah. For a good time. Um, I'm not a huge South Bay guy. So. <laughs> yeah. But again, I mean, you like golf. You could find some stuff, I'm sure. It's, what, what are you doing? I, anyway, right? I, could, I could live in Palo Alto. It's beautiful. Uh, just, I couldn't afford it. Just ride your there. bike all over. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's not like camp's over, right? They're, they got, they're back to work this week. And then they got mandatory camp the following week. So they still got a few more weeks of this thing. Um, now, we were there the other day. It's not exactly the Junction Boys. But that's okay. doesn't mean you can't go kick it and just have some fun and you just get to know each other. So, uh, again, I did you say it's hard to know. I don't like doing roll call from like an eight-second video clip who was, who wasn't there. But Didn't but see the starting quarterback. It was good that he was there. That's all. Kelsey was there. I don't know what Kelsey... I just Maybe think somebody knows the tight end. The tight ends have a group <laughs> chat or something. I just think he's just parties. <laughs> he's just down to do stuff. I also think you're just bored. It's the summer. You're rich as shit. I mean, Kelsey, for the last couple of years, feel like he's at a lot of events. I've seen him at a lot of PGA Tour tournaments, NBA games. Like, if there's an event, and I'm sure there's free tickets and transportation involved, he just goes. Right. Yeah. Because he'd tell you, what am I supposed to do in Kansas City in the middle of early June? It's hot. Well, I, I think private out. private travel just opens up your whole calendar, you know. One you don't need to block reason. out a weekend three weeks from now. You can just swing by tonight. I I do think there is something, and this doesn't get talked about when JC Treader was pushing for everyone to boycott the whole thing. And I don't know if you've seen this, maybe we've mentioned it, maybe I mentioned it somewhere else that I think Seattle's only had like 30 guys at their OTAs. Like, they have not had good participation. I, I think I read last week that it was basically just like rookie minicamp on steroids. Like, it's not ideal. Now, I'm not trying to admit, like, they're going to be good. I'm not acting like it's, that's going to make or break them. I do believe, though, having experienced it with you, having experienced when I was with the Eagles or Fresno State, anyone listening knows this, especially as you kind of transition back into your workspace. When you have a working relationship with people and you like like them, whether they're teammates, whether they're assistant coaches, whether they're training staff, like guys you just like, you'd be like, yeah, I'd be friends with this guy. I'd hang out with this guy. I do hang out with this guy. It's easier to like be motivated to do shit, right? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, Tuesday's my off day, but I know like there's a big game. I'll go in and get three hours of film work in with the other guys, right? Like, I, I think Tom is the best ever at just making everyone feel a part of it. So when he asks you to do more, which inevitably he's going to do, because he's going to, it's easy to be like, okay, it's not just like, oh, it's Tom. It's like, I, Tom likes me. Tom cares about me. I'll go do it with him. I think something we don't spend a lot of time talking about as much around sports as probably people used to is that, right? Is that, is that players play for one another? You hear it when a team wins a championship. They talk about it. Every team that wins a championship. Every single team that wins a championship talks about it. But most of our time around sports is spent talking about picking up fifth-year options and whether or not you should trade a guy for a pick. Could you add a defensive lineman? Who's going to start this week? A quarterback battle. A lot of the stuff we talk about around sports, and it's good for sports because it's, it's stuff that's like measurable, right? We don't get to see inside of a locker room mostly. But it's a lot of the stuff we talk about around sports is, is like kind of wins, losses, uh, business-related draft picks, contracts. I think sports, you probably, when there was less of that, there were less analytics. You only had a few stats. 
You weren't talking about sports as much from a GM perspective, which I, you and I have talked about this. I think that's the primary way sports get discussed is from a general manager's perspective, trading players, building rosters, that kind of thing. But I think a lot of conversations around sports used to just be, do you want to win? How bad do they want to fight for one another? I think sometimes it feels kind of cheesy to talk about sports that way because we've been in enough locker rooms, enough fans, you've read enough stories where like these guys are not, by by and large, your locker room is not filled with best friends, right? People go their separate ways after games. They're not sitting around drinking beer after playing a a nine-inning baseball game till one in the morning. People are doing their own thing. It's it's a little more individual than it than it used to be. I've heard Jim Barnett, the, the former Warriors TV analyst, talk about that a lot. Like it used to be, it just money changes things. There's no question. But I and I heard somebody say this on a podcast uh, recently, and I can't remember who. But it was basically when a team win. I think it was like a coach. When a team wins a championship, you listen to what their players say at the end. Like the best team, that's what they're doing. Is they're playing for one another. It's just a hard thing to measure. And again, I think. It almost feels kind of cheesy sometimes to talk about it. It feels like you're buying Kool-Aid, drinking Kool-Aid that the players aren't really drinking anymore. But I do think the best teams are drinking that Kool-Aid. They are. And I think the best organizations, it's, it's you know, everybody working I had, remote, uh, I think it's going it, to, that kind of becomes a conversation. I I had downloaded uh, the Nobody, the the Better Call Saul yeah. guys. And you the, recommend? The movie. I recommended it, okay. and I, when I was flying to Arizona Memorial Day weekend, I realized I didn't download it correctly to my iPad, so I got to the plane and I couldn't watch it. I'm like, well, I don't have anything to listen to. I hadn't downloaded any podcast. The only thing I had was on the iPad. I had the, it's called Creative or Creativity. It's like the book on Pixar, and I had downloaded it. I thought I got the audio book like two years ago, and I had de- accidentally downloaded the book. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to read that. But I'm stuck <laughs> on the plane, so I was like, I started reading it. It was really good. I mean, it's about one of the like CFOs writes the book from her perspective and just how p- successful Pixar was. It's crazy. I lived in Emeryville for a couple of years. It's right there. Their studios was Emeryville. And how creativity and one thing they really, they were really cognizant of, and even Steve Jobs was, when they put the whole thing together was just making everyone feel a part of the community. Mm. Everyone was a part culture. of making the movies. Yeah, the culture was fucking huge. It wasn't like they had had like swimming pools there, a gym, a place to eat. And they're like, it, it wasn't just to have recess. It was to have people feel like they wanted to be there. That's really what I think Silicon Valley started as. I, I don't know what it's morphed into now, but like, and now it's like, you know, kind of like college recruiting you're just trying to be exactly but i think steve jobs originally did it because he wanted you to be like i know you're more likely to put in extra hours to do your best on a film if you know you like you need to get that hour working you can go swim in the lap pool or hit the gym or fucking make your dinner or go in a nap room like i have these things to get a better worker out of you and the person talked about like when we really were hitting it big with some of these stories are Again, this is all in a two-hour. I'm just stuck. I'm not acting like I'm some intellect. I just had to read it. And then you start reading sometimes. You're like, God, this is pretty good. You know, I started started highlighting things on my iPad. I was like, this is fantastic. But I think the best football, and that's the hard balance. Like, you don't need, like, ping-pong tables. Sometimes those work, but sometimes they don't. But, like, is it just, are guys going to play ping-pong because they like playing ping-pong together? Or just they're bored. They don't want to do football. They don't really like being there. There's a balance to it all. And you never truly know. And that's one thing Edelman said with Chris Long. He's like, the one thing I'll give Belichick a lot of credit for 
is I don't remember many guys in my 12 years being low-level guys. And he's like, the one thing, and he kind of sounded like an old guy. He's like, I do feel like the younger generation the last couple years are a lot different than the previous generation. He's like, I know every generation says that, but he's like, he was basically saying like, I don't know if I really fit in anymore. Now I'm retiring because my knee shot, right? My knee doesn't work. He's like, I can go, I can go have a practice for a day and be fine. I can't do it five days in a row anymore because my knee then just swells up and I, I can't keep going through this. Like he's retiring because he's legitimately hurt. Like I think Gronk tapped out. He was just tired of Bill. Like I don't think J- Jules' knee works anymore. <laughs> but the, this them talking about like, and I've always said this about New England. We just talk about Tom, but like think about Edelman, McCourty, uh, Hightower, just kind of their core of guys. And he even listed Slater. Slater. Slater is just a cover guy on special teams. John, how about and he's like, how about what's his name? It was a receiver turned into a DB. Who's that? Uh, who was the guy they had that was a receiver? He turned in, he played defensive back in like a playoff game. Well, I think Good I know Edelman did the op. Yeah, they, Edelman well, did back it, in the day. It was Troy, Troy Brown. Troy, yeah, Troy Brown. Edelman was, also flipped it. Yeah, they all they had guys that could just flip flop spots. It's like this is the NFL. You guys are playing <laughs> like you're a high school football team, and because that's the type of guys they get. Yeah. And this and it's where Belichick gets shit for being a bad GM. And I know I think on. Uh, Sims podcast, he's one thing he said, and I get it. He's like, they always leaned the guy with the higher floor that was like less likely to make mistakes. And sometimes that burns him overall. And I think Bill would say, well, over our 20 year run, we feel pretty good about doing it this way. And I don't even know how we got on this topic, but just the guys in a locker room, when you're being a GM, like a huge part of your job, I, I don't think people, I can hammer this home enough because I still get asked this question, like what were, what was it like working the road? I, the majority, like it, it didn't matter really what I thought about a player, but my character analysis, because I'm the guy actually talking to these guys, was a huge part of just what's the guy like? How does he operate? What's his character like? What's his football character like? How does he treat people? What's his family background? You know, like it's funny you say I, that. I, I, that's a Sorry, huge part that of this whole deal. I heard I heard your buddy who kind of helps you out in scouting before he went to media, Daniel Jeremiah, um, say on his podcast the other day that he he in scouting it was always tough because you'd get in the room and you'd start reading your report. And it's really hard to make your report about a player's skills sound different than any other report. Like all these reports from a skill standpoint all sound the same in the end. Like sudden yeah, he's fast or slow, yeah, explosive he's, he's sudden yeah. movement. You know, like you start talking to all these phrases but the individual personality stuff is probably a place where you you're just telling the story about a guy right you're just telling his story it's uh, your story can be a million different things your football ability all probably you can categorize it in five different ways but a person's uh their ability to be a good teammate that can be a million different things and you know i think it came up because we're talking about trey lance in some ways it's more important for trey to learn his teammates than it is for them to really get to know him because in the end, the quarterback's job, if you're the starting quarterback of a team is to lead other people, them respecting you and liking you affects how well you can lead them. But it's about you understanding how to help them because you're the guy with the football. Well, think about this, like on the whole Brooksy Bryson and just golf guys in general, tiger, who is easily the best golfer I've ever seen in his prime was notorious asshole, not very nice to people, 
Like just the, the the package as a guy beside on golf was very very questionable, and I think historically we've had that with some individual sports. When you have that in a team sport, it is one of the driving descriptions of you as a player. I'd even say like in Barry Bonds' heyday, I think he was universally talked about like kind of a scumbag, but he was just so good you just dealt with it. And I think it was easier to get away with probably in baseball than it would have been football or basketball, right? Because it's baseball really is kind of an individual sport played as a team sport. Like when he's batting, he's not dependent on anyone else. But like it's hard just back to Julio and the Titans, like if you're the Titans and John Robinson and you learn from Belichick, you're like, this is an aggressive move, but I'm betting on a guy who's a big football guy whose teammates like him, who's never had an issue, right? You feel yeah. like, really, I'm betting like Father Time is the biggest red flag, but other than that, like this is a good guy that people like. It's a fair point because we talked earlier about some of the issues that would be red flags, but in some other ways, Julio is exactly what you want. You know? Yeah, it is exactly just, what you want. And it's so a little late. You got to make you got to make tough decisions. I mean, the Niners traded to force Buckner. You know, it's just it's just a tough. It's a complicated situation because the Steve Young book part of the deal, like when he gets traded to the Niners, was right during the the uh, the strike when the players struck. The, you know, the the strike was just over. We just want free agency. That was the strike in nineteen eighty six or eighty seven. It wasn't even that long ago. All they wanted was the right after four or five years to become a free agent. That, that's, that was it. And Steve Young was like, my dad called me. He saw a picture of me on the picket line. He was pissed. He was anti-union. And I was like, dad, I just got stuck in Tampa. Like, I, I'm actually fighting. I believe in this, this, what they're fighting for. And I was right. like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I'd be fascinated, like, some of the papers back in, like, the 80s. Like, these... These players, these spoiled, rotten brats. Well, it's one of those, uh, even if you know in your heart of an owner, you're like, this is going to end for us. It's hard for you not to fight to prevent free agency because it's such an incredible advantage, right? Now, you might be, if if you're a rich guy, right? If you have more money than all the other owners and you really want to win, free agency is good for you. The problem is if, if free agency is going to come with a salary cap, which many owners are going to want, it's going to limit your abilities. Right. So right. like, oh, you get, so you get you that are, sweet spot in the early Niners hit that free agency, no cap sweet spot pretty well. I, I think every single business owner, whether you're an NFL owner or whether you're like just trying to avoid taxes, you always do what's in the best interest of your own company. Right. So obviously in the mid eighties, no owners would want free agency to happen. Like I don't blame any of the owners. Like no one, I don't care who you are ever goes like, yeah, let's just raise taxes, corporate, raise them. Yeah. Like, no, no one's saying that. And if they are know this, they're doing it for a reason. Like they're like, well, we can pay, but my competition can't bye bye. Like everything is always when you're the boss, selfishly motivated. And I don't blame any human being for being selfishly motivated. But like, it's pretty nuts that it wasn't. It wasn't like a hundred years ago that they couldn't. And really, they were stuck right till Reggie White left in like '92, so they were still five or six years away. But Joe crossed, and then the strike ended. Yeah, that's right. I just uh, what's the um, what's the movie with uh, John Wick? Keanu. Yeah, John Wick. Yeah, but but not John Wick. Keanu's in the football movie. What, what's it called? I want to say The Untouchables. It's not The Untouchables. The Replacements. Repl- replacements. It was yeah. on the other day. 
and I was like, I haven't really watched it in years. And he, I was, I couldn't figure out what was happening. He's showing up to report to the team, and like the real players are in the parking lot, and they flip over his pickup truck because they're pissed at him because he's a scab. And the guy, he's walking away, and the guy's like, "Hey, what if the guy's name? Hey, Keanu." And he stops. He's like, "You're not a has been. You're a never was." I was like, "Oh, what a line!" <laughs> what a, I, I can't imagine when they wrote that in the script. Like, this is really gonna hit. I think the I think the Niners went two and zero with their replacement players. Any of those guys make the team after that? Or probably would not. We're not welcome. I don't know, but one of the things was is that the the real players like Ronnie Lott, Joe Montana, Steve Young still helped Bill Walsh with the game plans during the week. So it was like it was one of those. Well, the they knew being two and zero was going to help them if they came back. Yeah, because the records were going to stand. That was part of I think the way the owners were like records are going to stand. So the quicker you come back, like pretty genius. The owners always have a pretty solid advantage in negotiation. Yes, they are extremely rich. (laughs) But they can just make up the rules as they go. Like, oh, every record, the games are going to count. So if you lose, like you're out of the playoffs. Just remember, everybody, the commissioner actually works for us. So, (laughs) yeah, good luck with it, whatever it is. Advantage our side. Uh, All right. Big week. So we'll be out at uh, Niners uh, OTAs on Tuesday, and then we'll do like we did last. It's Tuesday, right? Last week it was Wednesday, and so we'll have another um, live show coming Tuesday afternoon, evening, depending on how long that practice is. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Don't forget the um, the DraftKings coming up. So if you're not in the DraftKings yet, DraftKings is not a sponsor this week, but the U.S. Open big game next week, get in the Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League. That way you will get the invite as soon as the invite goes out. I would like to go to Torrey Pines. In theory, then I was there and fighting the crowds. I wouldn't like it as much, but it's just it'd be cool to go. Yeah, I know. I've I've, I've never been. Have you been? No, that's brother, Phil's course, right? That's what isn't that like? Isn't Phil Mickelson somehow connected to Tory Pines? Yeah, I just think he kind of grew up in the area. He, he they, it's thirty six holes. I think he helped fix one of the courses. Uh, my brother has like a friend of his. They do business with has a timeshare down there or a, a condo down there. He's going in in August, and he said he just booked the tee time. He said it was three hundred bucks. Like it ain't cheap. Now what what's Harding Park if you're from L.A. Two fifty uh, uh, or no. something. No, on the high end it'll be like one eighty depending on the day, but it can be cheaper than that if you're not a resident. So Harding's a pretty good deal. I yeah, I think so. I mean, sometimes I think even if you're a non-resident and you don't have a resident card, there's like three levels. You have the card that you pay a hundred bucks a year for for the city courses, or you're a resident, right, and that's another twenty bucks, or you're not a resident, and then it's. I mean, when we played last year, what did you pay? One ten, yeah, one twenty, maybe as that's a, fine, yeah. But like waste management, when I played over Memorial Day, it was like two fifty, and Harding is better. That's also Memorial, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think even TPC Scottsdale, probably non-holiday, still two bills. Uh, somebody in the comments, Tim in uh, YouTube says, Joe Montana had a package of plays his rookie year. Trey will too. So I'm looking at J- uh, John Brody's stats from that year. No, Steve DeBerg's stats from that year. Uh, DeBerg, think about what 79 must have been like, John. DeBerg went 2-13 and 13 as a starter. Montana started one game. Montana started okay. one game that year. Guy, there were so many in Steve Young would just be like, "Oh, uh, and DeBerg might we signed have been hurt. Steve. De- we signed Steve DeBerg in Tampa, and then I went to the bench, and then he threw seven picks week one. I was like, seven picks, 
And even like when he gets to the Niners, he's like, you know, Joe came back from the back injury, threw three interceptions. Like there were just a lot of interception games back then. And part of it was probably bodies flying, backs getting shattered. It was much closer to like Russell Crowe gladiator than I think what we're seeing now. And I think we're so far removed, but just like 1985, when you stepped on the field, the nerves of my whole body could get shattered today at quarterback. Are quarterbacks scared anymore? And you're play- Joe Montana had his back shattered. You're playing on concrete sometimes, right? I I I get more their argument over any of the other athletes. Like, uh, our, not only our sport was harder; it was like physically, we can't even walk now. Yeah. We didn't even make that much money. Uh, someone's got to explain to me, John, how the Niners went two and fourteen in 1979, just feeding the ball to OJ Simpson. And then ended up with the 13th pick in 1980. Hell of a quick trade down. <laughs> Did they? I don't know. I don't know. All right. It. So if someone can DM me. But or there tweet were a lot of IG. It always felt like in the 80s, the draft rules would be like Celtics defending, uh, you know, uh, NBA Finals have the number two overall pick and they'll take Lynn Bias. Like, they've just fucking, they've been the best team in the league. They were always drafting like top five. What's going on? Remember they took Larry Bird the year before he came yeah, out? Yeah, so they, <laughs> I, I used, I think that would be more interesting. The draft rules, all sports from the 80s. It just felt like it was more just crazy. We drafted him, but he went to the USFL. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Steve Young, second year in Tampa. It's like, we drafted Bo Jackson number one overall. And then I go meet Bo and he's like, I ain't coming. Steve's like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> then they draft, uh, what's his name? Testa Verde. But, but think about that. Bo, Steve Young. Like, that's a pretty incredible back-to-back get landing those two guys, yeah. but it never even happens. I don't know what, uh, I don't know what happened. They, and then they go six, uh, yeah. Fast we don't have stuff. enough. We don't, we just don't have enough. Like, yeah, I'm just going to play baseball. Like, can you imagine a guy on Bo Jackson's level? Like, I'm going to go play baseball. He's the number one overall football pick. I know. Well, you know the deal with the guy Kumar Rocker, who's the, you know, Vanderbilt baseball has Kumar Rocker. Yeah. And Mark Leiter's kid. kid? It's Mark or Al's kid? I think it's Mark's kid. I th- it's, you think it's Al's I kid? Thought it was, I, I thought it was Al's kid. Jack Leiter's his name. Anyway, they're like, got like for people who don't follow college baseball or baseball, they're two of the top probably five or six picks in this draft. Well, Kumar Rocker's dad played the – Kumar Rocker's dad's like an NFL position coach, played in the NFL. He's huge. Not John Rocker. Not related to John Rocker. Um, I don't know if his dad is currently at like Georgia or in the NFL, but his dad's been an NFL and just been a football coach, played in the league. I forget his name, but he's. But if you, my point is Tracy Rocker. He's the defensive line coach for the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Played in the wow. NFL. Played at Auburn. If you, but the point is, if you look at Kumar Rocker, you'd be like, "How's this guy not playing football? He's huge." Because he throws 100? Yeah, but I mean, that was Mahomes. I mean, I don't know if Mahomes threw 100, but... Well, Kyle Long, once upon a time, went to Florida State to be an ace pitcher. He, he became a guard in the NFL. Seriously? Kamal Rock is 6'4", 255. Kyle Long was 6'4", probably 280, right? Went to Florida State to pitch. He Kyle Long, yeah. Several-time pro Not Chris Long, Kyle Long. Kyle Long went to Florida State out of high school to pitch. I'd love to see those highlights. I mean, he threw gas, and then he he got in a little trouble at Florida State. I think he had a DUI, and obviously, I think his life changed once Chip got a hold of him. But baseball, like a guy that big, 
I, I can't imagine there are many Baseball pitchers day. that anyone that faced Kyle Long was like, oh, there's a normal looking pitcher. Oh, he's a lefty. <laughs> Kyle? Yeah, I just got I got a photo of him throwing out a first pitch at a White Sox game. He throws gas or did. He's back now. He's on the Chiefs. Cargo I shirt. think some guy, I think some guys, if you can go both ways, like if you have that much talent, are meant for football because they're not disciplined enough in life. And the one thing in baseball, <clears throat> I think baseball is much more golf or tennis on this one, takes a lot of self-discipline. Where football, the coaches will do all the work for you. You'll get the, all the organizing, all the motivating, yeah, they'll all the tell you when to show up, send yeah. you when to work out. They'll set you up on workouts in the offseason. They'll scream at you when you're not feeling it. Like in baseball, you just, it's kind of on you. You're kind of on an island. Yeah, like yeah. you got to really Outside be an addict. Outside of quarterback, you know, like do D-linemen have, I guess they have workout coaches. And that no, do D-linemen have like personal D-line coaches they go to in the offseason? Maybe they got work, yeah, like trainers and that kind of thing. But Yeah, I think it's more, they just know if they're not ready when they when season starts, that coach is going to, it's your work. You, I think you would just have nightmares at night like getting yelled at, <laughs> right? That That helps in football. Part of it is just the anticipatory yelling at that you know you're going to get, so you might as well do everything possible to avoid that. Yeah. Not a lot of laps being run in baseball unless you're really screwing up. Do you think guys even get yelled at in baseball? Like, do you think anyone with the Giants this year has got yelled at? No. <laughs> but you, I feel like when we were growing up, it happened all the time. Wasn't baseball much closer to football back in, like, the 80s and 90s, just in terms of, like, coaches yelling at other players? Flipping over coolers. When was the last time you saw a manager flip over a cooler? Oh, fuck. When he's not yelling. It's one thing at the umpire. You you do it towards the umpire. But in your own dugout. I'm talking about lighting up. You're talking about Lou Brown. Yeah. We can't hit good. (laughs) This guy's got a back problem. Do you think there are that many uncomfortable conversations that even happen with coaches and like decent starting yeah, players? I mean, in baseball not anymore? outside of like you're getting benched or you're getting sent down or we're trading yeah. for your replacement, but in terms of like you got to step it up. Where's your ass? No, <laughs> no chance. Like what? I, your direct deposit all season or all year long is what I just made in a week. Hey, bro, my contract's guaranteed. Yeah, for the next Shut four up. years. Shut up and sit down. I did watch I, some of the Padres on Saturday night, thinking. And of course, this is would I want a fourteen year contract to anything? I don't think I would. Now you take the money, someone gives you a fourteen year contract, you're not doing it for life. I, I'm not saying I wouldn't assign the contract that T signed. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he shouldn't have. I'm just saying I, I think I'd rather have a three year contract than a fourteen year contract to anything. I think if your philosophy was the only long-term contract I'll ever sign in my entire life will be with my significant other, your life will go pretty well. Just avoid anything over like three years. I I just watched him thinking, I I know why he signed it, but I think I'd enjoy the, like, I just, I'd need a little urgency. 14-year contract, I'm just, maybe for some people you could, I'm not made for a 14-year contract. Do you think we're going to know many people when we're like 50 or 60 that have worked at the same job for 20 plus years? You know what's funny? I was at a coffee shop. I knew a lot of I knew a lot of people growing up that had worked for the same company for a long time. My parents' friends. I was I was at a coffee shop waiting for my coffee on Saturday morning. I there was this two people next to me having a conversation, and they they're like clearly friends. The guy's like, "Oh yeah, I changed job," and the the girl was like, "You change jobs? You you seems like you're never afraid to change jobs." And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, I never like to stay in one place." It's just a lot of people are like that. I think probably people listen. Yeah, the people I've gone to college with have most of them had minimum five jobs. We're thirty five, not sixty. 
Right. I mean, there, there is no chance. We're, I'm not, we're talking about career person. jobs, not like getting through college jobs. Right. Yeah. We're talking about yeah like, I'm talking about like uh, a job that starts paying you seventy, eighty thousand dollars like in, jobs in your 30s. The guys at any moment's notice. I, I mean, my highest level friends like a Bobby Wigington. I mean, people can just change and at a moment's notice, better deal. I just think our generation is much more open to like. That's a better deal. I'm going. So what did I just took this job three months ago? I'm out. <laughs> yeah, this guy sucks. Uh, on I, on uh, YouTube, Ducks Stars says, a quick Google search says the Niners traded their first rounder in 79 for OJ Simpson in 78. Okay. Thank you for that. I didn't have the energy for that quick Google search, clearly. <laughs> Troy says... Was that a, sh- was that a shot? or uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not offended by it. Uh, Troy says Brian Edwards Jr. so talented we decided to pass on a 32 year old Julio and I don't blame them this guy's going to be the next Julio I do like Brian Edwards Jr. but he's been he got hurt from the little we saw of him they seem more inclined to get him the ball than to get it to Ruggs but still got to go prove it chances of the guy in the third round is going to be Julio seems pretty slim I mean that's okay if you got 60% of Julio you'd be thrilled with that I'll give I'll give Raider fans credit on this one they, since I've been around them very closely, no one can just drop lines like that like a Raider fan. This guy is the next this guy. And then you get a couple, and you know what it looks like. Like, I've been around now. Like, you have a good starting quarterback. You had Khalil Mack, who was the off or defensive player of the year. Amari was, like, multiple-time pro bowler. And it's just like they just – it's like they forget it. It's like the black thing on uh, Men in Black. You just forget <laughs> the, the, it. The like, light. This guy – Dan says, I'm in the automotive industry. I've had five jobs in nine years. Only get more money is to negotiate better pay, plan at a bigger dealership. Dan, are you in sa- To me, sales is a separate thing. Sales people, but maybe he's not in sales. Maybe Dan is, uh, I don't know. I don't know, Dan. I'd be well, curious what you're doing. Well, what, one thing I had a buddy that I've I tried to give a little advice to in the NFL is trying to figure it out. And my take was, and I think employees are starting to figure this out for a long period. Of time. You got to be very, very selfish. As an employee, like you got to know that if they could, they would replace you because you're always like, should I ask this guy if he's got an opening? I'm always nervous. Well, know this. Your boss never hesitates thinking like that. So if you're afraid to think like that, you're getting passed. And I'm guilty. Like I when I was with the Eagles, I was terrified to talk to anyone else. Even when we had the radio show, it was kind of uncomfortable. Like, you know, what can we do? Like you just kind of stuck. It's unnatural for younger employees, I think, to like. And then the older you get, you become numb to it. It's like, yeah, fucking call him right now. Right? right. Just just do whatever you have to do. But I do think your first probably, you know, five to a 10 years in jobs, it's it's an uncomfortable feeling out process. Right. You're like, I don't want to step on anyone's toes and I don't want to think that, that they're not not loyal. Like they don't even care. I think you're right. Ramon says Lewis Hamilton didn't score any points today. Actually, exciting race this time. You know, I wasn't I, I don't know which F1. It might have been in Turkey. This this uh, Sunday morning, uh, I had a buddy of mine, Joe Gavazza. I saw him on the street today. He's like, did you watch the F1 race last night? I was like, or this morning? I said, no, because we had a plan a couple weeks ago. He's like, you want to come over at 6 a.m.? He's my neighbor to watch the Monaco Grand Prix. He's Italian. He loves it. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then like Saturday night, it was like, so what are you thinking? I'm like, well, probably not going to make it. And then in the morning, I texted him with like 10 laps to go. I was like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't come over. He didn't text me back till 10 a.m. because he was asleep. So he didn't get up either. This morning, though, it was a sweet race. From I watched like a seven-minute highlight package on the F1 website. People getting passed, people crashing. 
John, Lewis Hamilton, as you know, didn't get any points. You, top 10 is points. Didn't get any points. Well, he had to, because I, I, the only thing I saw of the F1 was the top 10. Well, it was like the three guys' pictures, and then under him, like four through 15. And I just didn't see his name. I'm like, did he take the day off? What happened? He, he, cra- he like stalled out, crashed. I don't know. This must happen a lot, where the car just doesn't respond, and you just drive straight. You don't turn. You crash. Here's where I, will get, here's where I have more respect for Lewis. He's either getting in a crash or he's finishing one or two. There's never like, oh, Lewis got seventh. You don't right? understand. Like they showed one highlight. How does he never get seventh? His car, I, I don't know. He, they, he you, actually, I think he got seventh in Monaco or somewhere in that range. But for the most part, you'd agree. Like I'd never see him. Like oh, Lewis is ninth. They showed one highlight of him taking first place, and it's just like from his cockpit or from his seat or whatever. And he is just accelerating at a speed where no one else. I'm like, what is going on here? Does no one else have yeah. a gas pedal? Or I guess it's not. It's all with your fingers, right? Yeah, it's all got the buttons NOS. and stuff. He's got the NOS, yeah. All right. Would you drive? Would you drive one of those cars? I'd love to try one of the simulators. <laughs> looks terrifying. Now they are pretty well pretty protected terrifying. in there. I think it'd be cool. I they have pedals too. I don't quite understand exactly how they're accelerating. My gut, shift. my Maybe gut was they go. My gut is they're all hands, but, but I they don't have know. pedals too. Yeah, I don't. I didn't think they had pedals. I didn't think so until I, I got to the F one website and I entered to win. Um, a home setup <laughs> and it came with pedals. It's worth like 20, I don't know, $2,500 or something. 3000 When you say a home setup, you meant like a car you can put in your home? No, it's not the full shell. It's just like, it comes with like the pedals and some box. I don't know what it is. And like a full steer, it comes with a full steering wheel, which is really cool looking. But you, so if you had a home, you would just put it somewhere. Maybe it comes on like a little office? stand. You put it in front of the couch and then you just sit on the couch. I'm not quite sure. Or I think you can buy like a shelf for like two grand. I did that research too. And in case I went and then you put all the stuff in the shell and then you can just sit in like a fake car and drive. It's like a video game? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just connected to your TV somehow. That'd be pretty cool. I think so too. I think so too. All right. Uh, attack the week, John, <laughs> with the enthusiasm of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, attacking the uh, Sonoma Raceway starter duties. He got into it. Do it it now. By the way, how about Shanahan? I think anytime something significant happens, the person answering the Q&A should have to answer from another... What, did something happen? Ocho. He just blasted the guy. Are you watching highlights? Where are you watching it? Yeah, it must be going Ocho single on Twitter. Because I looked... Yeah, Lewis Riddick just tweeted, Ocho! And then I saw Ocho just blasting this fucking guy. Oh, he's kicking his ass. I mean, Ocho. Who is he fighting? Oh. Uh, I don't know, but Ocho only eats like McDonald's. Like his whole thing is like Ocho versus science, you know, because Brandon Marshall and those guys don't shut up about eating healthy and Ocho's always eating McDonald's. And uh, I mean, guys, you said Lewis, freak. I'm not seeing it. Well, Bar- Barstool just tweeted Ocho Cinco lands and it's just him just blasting this guy. Ocho looks good. I mean, Ocho's hold on. I'm pulling this up. How does the guy look? Here we go. I mean, the guy looks like a normal boxer. But I don't think he's, you know, I don't know his deal, but. Oh, wait, does Ocho have his podcast on his shorts? I Am Athlete? Isn't I, that his podcast? Yeah. I, they sponsored him, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, Ocho is looks incredible. Oh, my God. He looks like T.O. Ocho is a is an elite athlete. He's Not huge. That, I mean, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he's probably 6'2", 200. I just mean like he's just. I mean, obviously, Tio's bigger, but holy smokes. I was going to say Ocho's 38. Do you know how old Ocho is? How old? 43. How good does he look for 43? Like, how how, how can you say that Haberman, Middlecoff, and, and Chad Johnson are s- similar human beings? <laughs> like, how, 
our bodies don't even operate the same. Like I, I couldn't dream about looking like that at like 20 in my prime. Like what is this guy doing? And he eats McDonald's. He legitimately eats McDonald's because I see him on Instagram. He's not joking about that. I remember him on Hard Knocks. That was his thing. He's a McDonald's guy. He thinks it's all. He thinks it's fraud. Well, if you like were him, whole, wouldn't you think that? Yeah, I don't blame him. I think he's kind of right. Well, I know he's wrong because I, the second I eat any, if I you know McDonald's five days in a row, I look very. I don't. I can't. I I trade yeah. semi good, and I don't look anything like him because it would be worse Same. if I did. But I had a lot of ice cream today in the middle of the day. Don't tell anybody. Oh, midday ice cream. It's that, that's how you're well, like. That to me is how you take control of your life. Like I'm an adult, and I'm gonna. Well, well, to me, it's why I don't buy ice cream because I don't have the discipline you know what to I not say. do eat it when I don't want it. The or diet is won I mean, and lost at the grocery store, not in the kitchen. Yeah. Once it's in the kitchen, you've lost. It's too late. Yeah. It's why I don't go to the store that often. <laughs> because when I go, I just get shit that I shouldn't buy, and then I eat it all. All right, everybody. Anything else? So I'm going to go make a frozen pizza right now, Newman. See ya. Have a great week. Get ranch? Uh, yes. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.